when you know taking classes helps me to remove my ignorance. So we're all working together and developing. Is that okay? Is that clear? Aruna Ben? Yeah. So right. Any questions before we begin? So we're going to take up verse 37, which is the last verse of topic five, which is all yagniyas culminate in wisdom. So this is the last verse 37 of that topic. And we'll begin with that. Yatayd hamsi samidognir basmasat kuru tejuna Nyanakni sarvakarmani basmasat kuru tetata Yatayd hamsi samidognir basmasat kuru tejuna Nyanagni serva karumani Basmasat kurute tata. As blazing fire reduces fuel to ashes, O Arjuna, so does the fire of knowledge reduce all actions to ashes. As blazing fire reduces fuel to ashes, O Arjuna. So does the fire of knowledge reduce all actions to ashes. Very poignant verse this is. If you understand this, you understand why you need knowledge. Ravi, could you read the first two paragraphs, please? Verses 35 and 36 give the effects of knowledge with reference to the intellect and the mind. This verse gives the effect with reference to one's vastness, desires. Knowledge of the self consumes all your vastness and your desire-prompted actions, just as fire consumes fuel. Fire first chars an object it contacts. With this charring, the object becomes ineffective. Upon further contact, fire burns the object to ashes. Similarly, knowledge of the self first renders the objects of the world ineffective. Without knowledge, the sense objects of the world tempt you to sensual indulgence. You fall a prey to the enchantments. But as you gain self-knowledge, you become more and more fortified against the onslaught of the senses. They no longer grip you so firmly with their enchanting influence. They become ineffective, as it were, but total establishment of knowledge of self destroys all vastness, desires. You no longer engage in desire-prompted actions in the world. You gain the supreme state of godhood. So, actions here means desires, vastness. Remember the chronology, vasanas, thoughts, desires, actions. No action can happen unless you have a desire, unless you have a vasana for it. So action, you can say, means desires, vasanas. So this verse is saying all knowledge reduces desires, knowledge of the self. Everything we do in life from the time we are born to the time we die, 
it is all prompted by vasanas desires no vasanas no birth so this verse is saying that the knowledge of the self when you gain this knowledge that you're studying now self knowledge it consumes all vasanas consumes all desire driven actions why are we trying to uh, reduce desires Why are we trying to reduce desires? Self-knowledge reduces all your desires, all your actions that are driven by desires. Why do we want to do that? Yeah, Damesh. Uh, it goes back to the thing. No desires mean we're connected to God. God element enough. His yeah. desires keep us away. Thank you. Hence, if you want to fulfill your role as a human being, the purpose of, of a human being is to become one with the self. Remember that formula, vas, um, self, Brahman, God, plus Vasnas equals human being. So we're trying to get back to our true personality. So in order to do that, we have to eliminate our desires. So here it's saying knowledge of the self will do that for you. Knowledge of the self consumes all vasanas and desire-driven actions. And there's an example given, a metaphor. Example of a fire is used to illustrate this point. When you light a fire, what happens? First, the fire scorches the fuel. You see the fuel, the, uh, you put wood in there, it goes black. It scorches it. Makes it ineffective. You can't use it for anything after that. Then it continues to burn the fuel, until it turns to ashes. Correct? Everyone understand? This is a fire. Put in wood, scorches it, and then it burns it, and it becomes ashes. Similarly, it's saying, when you gain knowledge of the self, initially, it makes the objects of the world ineffective. What does that mean? makes the object of the world ineffective. We gave the example of the wood. What, what can that mean? Objects of the world, what objects? What are we all into? What do we all like? Material. Material things. Thank you, Shashi. Why haven't you got your video on? Makes the objects of the world ineffective. Meaning you begin to lose interest in the world. Your partner says, let's go for a movie. You have no desire to go to a movie. You may still go to make your partner happy and you will enjoy it. But internally, there's no desire. You're not bothered if you go or don't go. So the world, the objects of the world become ineffective. Means they don't draw you anymore. 
That's the first thing. So you gain knowledge, worldly objects and experiences lose their effectiveness. You're not dependent on that experience for your happiness. That's what it means. Any questions? That's the first part, where it says it scorches the wood, scorches your desires, you can say. Then with further knowledge, sense objects lose their power completely. You're able to control the influence that sense objects has on you. Next stage. And then with complete knowledge, you're no longer interested in desire-driven activities at all. They no longer interest you. You may still live your life, but you have no interest in it. That's why when you read about great souls, self-realized souls, one thing common, you know what the common thing is with all of them? What's the, most, what's the common thing with all self-realized souls when you read about them? Jesus Christ, Swami Ramadita, Lord Buddha, many other self-realized souls. What's the common thing? Yeah, Arunabin? They have no possessions. They have no possessions. They have no possessions. They don't need anything. Sense objects do not entice them anymore. You might think then that life is going to be boring. What's the point of getting up in the morning? No sense objects have any attraction to you. It won't be. You will feel a lot more calm, contented, peaceful in whatever environment you are. You'll be happy. Because you're in control of your personality. Right now, the senses and desires control your personality. You'll be the master. Swamiji says, whole world, everyone, all they're doing is creating bills and paying bills. That's all you're doing, creating bills and paying bills, right till you die. Then you pay your death tax to the government. That's another bill that you leave behind. You think about it, from the time you're born, all you're doing is creating bills and paying bills. That's all of our lives. Quite ironic. You've heard this quote, Socrates says, when I pass a shop, I'm amazed of all the things that man can do without. When I pass a shop, I'm amazed of all the things that man can do without. It's the desires that takes you there. Any questions? So the knowledge helps you to? Takes the interest away from worldly objects. They don't entice you. Bobby, first, last paragraph, please. The, this example has a still deeper significance. Notice that a piece of wood contains both fuel and fire. 
Rubbing two pieces of wood together produces fire. Fire seems to be inherent in wood, yet the same wood also serves as fuel to the fire. Both fire and fuel seem to coexist in wood. A similar paradox exists in every human being. In him exists both the supreme self and vastness. The self is absolute knowledge, vastness is ignorance. Knowledge and ignorance seem to coexist in one entity. When knowledge is invoked, ignorance recedes. The awakening of self-knowledge in a person completely eradicates the ignorance. Thus, knowledge destroys all vastness, ignorance, and vastness-prompted actions. Thank you. So what it's saying is that a piece of wood has both fuel and fire inside. How ironic is that? Both fuel and fire exist in a piece of wood. It said when you rub two pieces of wood together, it creates fire. And then it consumes the wood. So both the fuel and the fire is in the wood. Similarly, it's saying a human being has within them the self and vastness. Self is knowledge and vastness is ignorance. Self is knowledge and vastness ignorance. They both coexist in all of us. So when you invoke knowledge of the self, when you invoke the self by gaining knowledge of the self, it has the power to eliminate ignorance. Just like the fire has the power to turn the wood into ashes. Similarly, knowledge of the self has the power to eliminate your ignorance, meaning your vasnas. Why is vasnas ignorance? Pramesh, can you expand on what you said earlier? Why is vasnas ignorance? Because the more we give in to them, the more we create, the more we create, the further away we are from God. Excellent. So vastness is ignorance of your true personality. So therefore, knowledge destroys all vastness and desire-driven actions. That's why you need knowledge of the self. Otherwise, you're just going around in circles. Fulfilling desires, new desires, and one day, that's it. Katam. Finished. That's all you're doing. You take a new life, same thing. Desires, fulfilling desires, vasanas, desires. You're not getting anywhere, no matter how many times you're born and you die. That's all you're doing. So you need to invoke the self. The knowledge of the self helps you to do that, which is what we're all learning. So Lord Krishna is explaining to Arjuna, you need knowledge of the self. Now we start topic six, and he explains how to gain this wisdom. How to gain this wisdom. How to gain this knowledge. Any questions before we begin the last topic? Topic six. Is, is it quite clear to everyone? Chandrish? 
Make sense? What do you need to do? Gain knowledge. Knowledge of the self. Not knowledge of anything else in the world. Knowledge of shares. Knowledge of whatever. It's all worldly knowledge. You need knowledge of the self, the true personality, which is devoid in most people. Very few people get exposed to it. Very few people have a vasana for it. You have to have done a lot of good karma to come to that point where you're gaining this knowledge and you're developing. Don't take it uh, lightheartedly. You may not believe it. Right, any questions? So the next topic, topic six, Krishna advises Arjuna to gain wisdom. I'll just read the summary of this topic. The knowledge of self purifies the mind of all agitations and gives supreme peace. Those devoted to the self control their senses and pursue the self with consistency until they reach it. The ignorant, ever doubtful of the self, lack consistency of purpose. They will not achieve anything in the world or the next, nor will they find any enduring happiness. Krishna therefore advises Arjuna to gain knowledge and remove all doubts and delusion and thus become established in the Supreme Self. That's this next topic. Five verses. And then chapter four, four is finished. So let's start. Verse 38. Nahi pavitra mihavid yate that's vayam yogasam siddha kale natmani vindati nahi nyane nasadasam pavitrami havid yate that's vayam yogasam siddha kale natmani vindati verily there is no purifier here like knowledge. He who is perfected in yoga finds it in the self in time. Can you read paragraph one, please? I thought that was Ravi. Uh, verse 38, was it Ravi? Yes, yeah. it is, yeah. Sorry. The last topic, verses 38 to 42, presents Krishna's advice to Arjuna on how to gain knowledge of the self. Knowledge of the self is the supreme purifier of all vasanas, desires, and mental agitations. One gains this knowledge through the practice of yoga. Thank you. There's no purifier except knowledge of the self. What are we purifying? My ignorance. Ignorance is desires, vasanas. So this knowledge purifies them. Desires, vasanas are like green blanket weed in a pond. 
You've all seen blanket weed in a pond? When you go to a pond and it's covered with green moss. We have a pond in our garden. Summer, it's just green moss everywhere on the top. You can't even see the fishes. You have to put chemicals in to remove it. Or you can take it out. You can get a stick, move the weed to one side, move it out of the way. And then you can see a reflection of yourself. You can see the fishes, you can see a reflection. But within a few minutes, it goes back to where it was. The moss returns back, yeah? You've all seen pond with moss in it, you can't see the bottom, especially in the summer. Something to do with the sunlight. So removing it with a stick to the side, this is a quick method for you to see your reflection. Oh, there's the fish, I can see one. You see your reflection. It's a quick method. Why am I giving you this example? Yeah, Dermish? Just like the pond, if you pray for 10 minutes, you see something. Then after that, you see nothing. Yeah, you're very, yeah, you're right. People try many different spiritual practices, but this is what happens. They get a glimpse, a temporary feeling of divinity. Oh, I felt really good there. Something happened. After that, it goes away. Feeling goes away. It's just a temporary feeling. A short period, a glimpse, a few seconds, maybe a minute, you may feel elevated. You feel like you've contacted something higher. Gives you some happiness, bliss. Like you might try meditation in the morning. It gives you that feeling. Wow, that was a really good session. I felt something. I connected something. After 10 minutes, you stop meditation, you're back to normal. Nothing permanently changes inside. So people try many different spiritual practices. It's all temporary. What do we need to do to the blanket weed in the pond to permanently see it, our reflection? Yeah, Dhanush. It's to every day remove it completely. Perfect. One day Perfect. Go again. Perfect. Take a little out, take some more out another day. Every few days, keep taking out. Gradually, all of it is out. Then you can see your reflection permanently. See all the fishes. You can see the bottom. And I have to do that every summer, by the way, in the pond. <laughs> so I'll give you this example. So similarly, chapter one of Gita we covered. You gain a little knowledge. Few desires are reduced. You get some insight. We did chapter two, few more desires. Now a few more desires are removed when we did chapter two. Now we're going to finish chapter four. Few more desires are reduced. By the time you get to chapter 18, some of you may have reduced 50% of your desires without even knowing it. 
it works inside you. you you're not even aware of it but the knowledge it reduces your desires reduces your vastness just by even listening so you reduce 50 percent by chapter 18 these are people who are listening studying in the morning by the way if you're not doing that, then maybe you might have lost 10, 15% by the chapter 18. But if you're putting in effort, you could have reduced by 50%. Then some Atma Bodha classes, Upanishad classes, you've eliminated more of your desires. So what this verse is saying is, Lord Krishna is telling Arjuna, there's no purifier like knowledge. You try all other methods, they're temporary. Only knowledge can eliminate your desires. Only knowledge can eliminate your desires, your vastness, permanently. This is what it's saying. Any questions? This is Lord Krishna saying. Verily, there is no purifier here like knowledge. He who is perfected in yoga finds it in the self in time. It's the only way. Yes, Arunabin. This is just like a recap question. Uh, the knowledge of the self, we keep saying knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. We're not just talking about knowledge through reading, but it's also about knowledge through putting all this in actions, in your words, in your uh, karmas, all of that, isn't it? Next verse. No, I'm just kind of, it keeps like, I kept thinking, well, if we could just have a, like a recap about what knowledge of the self is, it, you know, because we keep saying that so much, but we lose sight of what that actually is. Who are you, Arunaben? Mm. Um, supposed Aruna, to be <laughs> Aruna Ben Aruna is your name, but who are you? Who are you really? You're the God principle in everyone. You're the self, you're Brahman. But you've forgotten that. You identify with your name. My name is Dharmesh. My name is Sheila. That's the role you've taken. That's your physical personality. That isn't really you. So knowledge of the self opens the door to your own real personality. This is what knowledge, the knowledge of the self does. You've forgotten it. It's inside all of us, but we've forgotten it. We're all busy in the world, creating bills and paying bills. We're too busy in doing that. We've forgotten who we really are. Knowledge of the self tells you who you are. Wait a minute. To find out who you really are. So I understand that bit. But mm -hmm. so, so like, if, if we said, what are the ingredients of knowledge of the self? You know, what is that? What so is that? Yeah, what is it? It is about um, the three yogas, maybe. It's well, all, all of those things. Next verse we're going to cover tells you how to gain wisdom. And the three yogas is part of gaining that wisdom. You have to 
practice the three yogas in order to get to that goal. Yeah. It's you want to lose 10 kilos. You have to exercise every day. You have to reach, you have to see what you're eating. You have to follow a diet plan. Yeah. You have to practice all those things to reach your goal. Mm. Correct? So you want to become one with the self. You have to practice the three yogas to get to that goal. So it's a, a means, a way of a practice that takes you to that goal in the world. Those three yogas is something you practice in the world to get to that stage. Yeah, we're covering in the next verse, by the way. Yeah, is that okay, Ravin? Any other clarifications? See, this is the end of chapter four, and he's now telling all of us what the purpose of knowledge is. Uh, Ravi, next paragraph, please. Yoga means uniting with the Supreme Self. Karma, Bhakti, and Jnana are three principal yogas. These disciplines relate to the body, mind, and intellect, respectively. The practice of the three yogas purifies the mind from all worries and anxieties. It sets the mind at rest. The intellect can direct only a peaceful mind to meditation and self-realization. Therefore, you must put in constant effort to perfect the yogas in order to realize the self within. There are no easy and quick means to attain the state of realization. Neither do you have to wait indefinitely to attain this. This verse states that by proper use of yoga, you will gain knowledge of the self in course of time. Kalina. Kalina. So this is a way of, this is a practice you would do in the world. How does a human being contact the world? What other, yeah, how does a human being contact the world? Sense organs. Sense organs, yeah. Physically sense organs. What else? The physical body and sense organs. The mind contacts the world. The intellect contacts the world. So. Physically, the body, mind, and intellect is what contacts the world. Yeah? So the three yogas are given for the three elements that contact the world. So if you're a person perfected in the three yogas and the practice, it will take you to the self. What are the three yogas? What are the three yogas? What, what are you going to practice? What are they? Karma, Bhakti, and Jnana, knowledge. Karma, Bhakti, Jnana. So how would you practice this in your normal life? Karma, yoga, whatever you're doing, convert it into a service. Remember, we covered it a few classes ago. Whatever you're doing, convert it into a service. You're working for your company, have the attitude. How can I serve my company? How can I be of service? 
the reward will be there regardless. You'll get your pay pack at the end of the month. Rather than entitlement, say, how can I serve? How can I serve my family? The, op the opposite is, I did this for you, so you should do this for me. I cook today, you cook tomorrow. That's karma yoga in a nutshell. Convert all actions to service. Bhakti yoga. What is bhakti yoga? So karma yoga was the body, physical body. What is bhakti yoga? What does it relate to? Shilavan? Uh, bhakti yoga is when you devote your time mm -hmm. to, to God, devotion. Devotion. Bhakti yoga is devotion. You're devoted to God. I don't know who made this universe. I don't understand it. Nobody understands it. Don't know who made me. I don't know who made the sun, the moon, who gives me oxygen to breathe, water to quench my thirst. So this high entity I bow down to, I'm devoted to. This in a nutshell is bhakti yoga. Surrender. So live life with this attitude, be grateful all that you receive. That is bhakti yoga. I'm so fortunate. I have everything I need, three meals a day. A lot of people don't have that. I open a tap, I get fresh water. I can pay, afford my heating bills. A lot of people can't. This is devotion. I'm blessed. Then there's jnana yoga. What's jnana yoga? Gaining knowledge of the self. Study every morning during sattvic time. Gain knowledge of the self. So there are no quick fixes. You have to put in effort. These are the three yogas that you have to practice on a daily basis. Karma bhakti yoga for the body, mind, intellect. Those are the practices. Any questions? So he's saying, verily there is no purifier here like knowledge. He who is perfected in yoga, yoga meaning the three yogas, finds it in the self in time. You do those three yogas, you will gain the self, meaning you will get to your goal. Any questions? Of the last verse. Shraddha vam labate nyanam tatparasam yatendriyaha nyanam labva param santim achire nadi gachati shraddha vam labate nyanam Parasam yatendriyaha nyanam labva param santim 
Achire Nadigajati. He who has Shraddha, faith, who is devoted, who has subdued the senses, attains knowledge. Having attained knowledge, he year long gains supreme peace. Just a matter of time. You have Shraddha, faith, you're devoted, you've subdued your senses, you're gaining knowledge. Having attained knowledge, soon you have supreme peace. You'd have been self-realized, they're saying. We're getting to nitty-gritty here. What you need to do practically. Onabin, could you read the first paragraph, please? This verse enunciates the three disciplines necessary to attain the wisdom which leads to the supreme peace of realization. Each deals with the body, mind, or intellect. Physically, you must subdue your senses. Mentally, be devoted to the supreme self. And intellectually, develop the shraddha, dedicated pursuit of truth to reach it. Practice of these three disciplines will give you self-knowledge and peace. There we have it. In this last topic, Lord Krishna advises Arjuna to gain knowledge of the self through the practice of the three yogas. The three yogas purifies your mind. That's what the three yogas do. It purifies your mind. Takes away your ego. Knowledge will purify all vasanas and agitations of the mind. The practice of the three yogas, karma, bhakti, jnana, helps you gain wisdom to reunite with the self. In the ashram, the day is divided into three. In the morning, we get up, we do, we do exercise. Then we have a class, gain knowledge. Swamiji gives a lecture, 9.30 to 11 o'clock. 11 to 1, everyone has a job, which they must do, yeah, in the ashram. 1.30, we have lunch. After that, you know what they do in India in the afternoon, siesta. Then six o'clock, we have bhajans. And in the evening, we have another class or we have group discussions. So you see, and that's seven days a week. So every day, the day is divided into three sections. Morning, we're getting knowledge. Afternoon, we're doing, uh, after the class, morning class, we're doing karma yoga. We're all helping in the ashram whatever role you have as job role you have. And then in the evening, we're doing bhajans, devotion to the mind. In the evening, we're doing intellectual reasoning, studying, group discussion we have. And that's how the day is broken up. Hence, the free yogas we're practicing every day. By doing this, you reduce your desires. Actually, by doing that, you don't have any time to think about his eyes. <laughs> probably that's probably what it means. <laughs> it's 
So these three disciplines for the body, mind, intellect. When you practice these three yogas, it purifies the mind of your vasanas, desires, and makes it calm. Once the mind is calm, the intellect can direct the mind to meditation. So you reduce your desires. When you have very few desires, you can meditate. If you have a lot of desires, you can't meditate. After a couple of minutes, the mind starts going all over the place. What I need to do today? What am I going to cook today? What am I going to go tomorrow? And it's gone. Because of your desires, it takes it away. You can't concentrate. Only if you have very few desires, you can control it, concentrate, and then you can meditate. And only through meditation, you reach that stage, your state of self-realization. Any questions? So this is practical, what we're talking about. Everyone can do it. Everyone can adopt it in their life. It's not a, it's not a big deal. It's not that difficult. Whatever you're doing now, you can convert it into three yogas, just by change of attitude. See, if it's too difficult, no one can do it. Surely the Lord is not going to make it so difficult that no one can do it. He has to make it reasonably simple. Then everyone can do it. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point of it? Arunabhan, last two paragraphs, please. Physical discipline indicates control of the senses. Self-control does not mean mere denial of sense contacts and enjoyments. Spiritual practice does not necessarily rule out sense enjoyment. It only advises you to maintain control over your sensual activities rather than controlling you. To be a master and not a servant of the senses. To maintain your control over the senses and not allow them to interfere with your obligatory duties. Emotionally, you must be devoted to the self. When your mind is devoted to the higher, it remains calm. A calm mind renders the intellects receptive to the higher knowledge. Simultaneously, your intellect must develop shraddha, the capacity to pursue the truth consistently until you reach it. You attain knowledge of the self through these disciplines. Having attained self-knowledge, you instantly gain supreme peace and bliss. Thank you. So how do you practice the three yogas and gain knowledge? We covered it briefly. There's another angle here. It says at the karma yoga, at the physical body level, mastering the senses. This is karma yoga, mastering the senses. Through devotion, mind, means surrender to your area of ignorance. We covered it briefly in the last verse, Bhakti Yoga. And the intellect maintains a determined pursuit, consistent effort in reaching the self. You can't do it half-heartedly. You have to put in full effort. This is what it's saying. The senses must be controlled. Self-control. What does that mean? Control the senses. Control your senses. Yeah, Ganesh. 
and control your desires. Ultimately. Five senses are dragging you to the world. Control them. Not deny them. There's a difference. Control them, not deny them. You should enjoy all the sense contexts. God has given you the five senses. The world is a beautiful place. Enjoy it. Don't deny it. You can't suddenly go in a cave, stop all sense contacts. You know what Bhagavad Gita says? Control your senses. That's it. From today, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to look at anything, hear anything. Only the self. Nothing else matters. I'm going to go in, uh, lock myself in a room. What would happen if you do that? Yeah, Dhanush, what will you do? You cause yourself agitation because you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. And you're not trained to, to close it down. So hence, you're making more desires and you're thinking of other stuff when you should be really concentrating on how to control it. Yeah, you're right. Anybody else? What will happen? I lock you in a room. Because that's what the Bhagavad Gita says, control your senses. You, you haven't really controlled your senses, have you? Because you've just restricted um, e external um, influences on that, but you're not controlling anything. In fact, your senses and desires, as um, Dharmesh said, will start overtaking. Your mind will start wandering. You'll end up going crazy. You're, you read this first, and after today's class, you tell your wife, Sharmila, that's it. Don't call me. I'm going to be in this room. I don't want to. I'm controlling my senses. Sharmila starts making some lovely food and the smell comes to you in your room. What will happen? Exactly. There you go. You start getting agitated because you come here to lock Wonder what she's It smells really nice. Wonder what she's cooking. The mind is gravitated to that. Are you controlling your senses? No, you're not. The mind is still thinking about it, still entertaining it. Physically, you've locked yourself in a room. What will happen? It will frustrate you. Okay, open the door. I want to I wanna try whatever you're cooking. Ten minutes later, you've been in the room, yeah? <laughs> That's it, finished. That's how, how long you can control for, ten minutes. So Mila say, I didn't cook any for you. You're controlling your senses, so stay there. <laughs> there you go. Then you get agitated again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you can't do that. What it means is the senses should not come in the way of your obligatory duties. You've set your goal. Don't control the senses so it doesn't come in the way. So there's two groups of people, one who indulges in the senses completely and the other who completely stays clear of senses. Neither works. So what it means by subdue the senses is you are in control of the senses. You're in control of it. In other words, does the senses control you? Or are you in control of the senses? When you pass an ice cream parlor, 
you see the different flavors, 31 flavors or whatever it is. Your mind says, I want a scoop. What's that flavor of the month? Do you automatically go in by without thinking? Hang on, I'm supposed to be dieting. Immediately go in and buy. Buy two, get one free. Okay, I'll buy. I'll get two. I'll get one free as well. If that is the case, then the senses are controlling you. A simple example I'm giving. Or do you think, you know what? I'm trying to control my weight. And I had a scoop last week. I shouldn't have another one. Then you're in control of your senses. This is what it means. Control your senses. The mind wants it, but the intellect controls it. The mind wants it, but the intellect controls it. You're now in control of your senses. Is that clear? Any clarifications? I know it sounds, yeah, Ravi. I'm just going to say, um, obviously, part of this was controlling your senses, but also um, fulfilling your obligatory duties. So, I mean, if I use that ice cream example effectively, I may control my senses to go in there and not have the ice cream. But as a father, if I've got little kids with me, I will, as a you know, <laughs> obligatory duty to treat them, I will go in there and buy, but not be consumed by myself. Absolutely. You're in control. No one's stopping you going in there. <laughs> but, but what you're controlling the fact that you're trying to lose weight that will come in the way of your goal so you're controlling it yeah so you buy for the kids and not for yourself for the kids because then they don't have any goal you have the goal of trying to lose weight no i mean that, that that's what i meant so what i meant is that when we're reading this and it's saying control, as you said, don't just lock yourself and dis dismiss it. You've still got to play your part and you know, fulfill your obligations. So be aware of what you're doing and not get lost, but also be aware that certain things you have to do and make contact to a certain degree. So Swamiji gives an example, a true example, by the way. In the ashram, there was a great Swami nearby he wanted to visit the ashram. The true story this is. So one of his disciples came to visit and said, my Swami would like to come and visit the ashram. He said, okay, no problem. He can come anytime he wants. But there's one condition. He goes, yeah, sure. There should be no females around. But in the ashram, in fact, there's more female than male. What do you mean no female around? He cannot look at the female. No female should come in front of him. So Swamiji says, what? Well, we should lock them all in the room while the Swamiji comes and uh, takes a tour of the place? Yes. We're not going to do that. No control of the senses. If he sees a female, I don't know what happens to him, but he has no control. So therefore, he's trying to control the object. There's no control within. Hence, if you lock yourself in a room, this is what happens. True story. 
So if you indulge, then you increase desires. When you increase desires, the mind is more agitated. When the mind is agitated, you can't think, you can't take in this knowledge. You're constantly thinking of your desires. See, in the morning study, when you study, if you had a busy day the day before, yeah, constantly in your mind, these things come up. You can't concentrate. Happens sometimes, it happens. You've had a busy day the day before, running around. You can't concentrate in the morning. All that comes in your mind. So how are you going to gain the knowledge? Your mind is agitated. So your intellect must decide how much, when, where. That is mastering your senses. That's controlling your senses. Any questions? So that's what it means by subdue the senses. Then through devotion, bhakti yoga, mind means surrender to your area of ignorance. You don't know law, you go to a solicitor. You surrender to a solicitor. You don't know accounts, you go to an accountant for your yearly uh, tax return. You don't know medicine, you surrender to your GP. You don't know the knowledge of the self, so you surrender to the scriptures. Devote yourself to God. So surrender to the area of ignorance. Jnana yoga, knowledge. The intellect gains knowledge when the mind is calm. So he's saying, Lord Krishna, one who practices the three yogas will get knowledge. When you got knowledge, you put in effort to pursue the self, meditate, and you become self-realized. When this happens, you will gain supreme peace and bliss. That's it. That's your goal. He's already told you in chapter four, what do you need to do? Why do you want to continue the rest of the 12 chapters, 14 chapters? If you understand it, that's it, it's finished. No more coming to class on Sundays. But unfortunately, like Arjuna, we still, we don't get it. So Lord Krishna has to go for another 14 chapters. And then the penny might drop. In fact, it does drop because Arjuna says, okay, Lord Krishna, I understand. Let me go and fight. <laughs> Lord is telling him all this so he can do his obligatory duties. As I mentioned before, Lord, uh, Arjuna then fights, he wins the battle, beats Suryadan. And then in elation, he's celebrating. And Lord Krishna comes to him and he says, Krishna, I don't know what you talked about to me, but you know what? I'm successful. I've beaten Duryodhan. What was it that you're talking to me about? Lord Krishna said, don't worry about it. <laughs> so it was to get him to do his obligatory duty. He didn't really understand anything, Arjuna. But for where he was and what he achieved, the knowledge helped him to do that. Any questions? So we have, I think, three verses left to the end of the chapter. Uh, next week is Mother's Day. Um, I'm opening up to the class members. Um, if, if you'd like to have a class next week or not, it's entirely up to you. So 
there's 16 of us here. Um, what's the general consensus? Anybody has any objections or would you like me to have it as a day off? Talking to the ladies here. Uh, sorry, I'm going to be away for two weekends. I'm going to Korea. Okay, so. great. Enjoy. Lovely. Lovely. I think okay. it's a nice way to mark uh, Mother's Day, actually. Yeah. Deepabin, you okay? Just Nabin, you okay? Yeah, should be fine. Okay. All right. Well, we will continue next week and finish the chapter four. Thank right. you. Thank you for joining us today.